Welcome to episode 28, series 2 of The Pod Roast, the show that takes you behind the scenes of ABC 2's The Roast. I'm Mark Humphreys. I'm Melina Wicks. And I'm Alex Lee. Fantastic. What a great combination. No Dave Ferrier today because uh, he's a big shot. He's got, he's got other things going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got a big, big shot doctor's appointment or something. Busy old Dave. Uh, so we've got some questions from uh, a uh, someone who's tweeted at the David Ferrier, and Dave left us with these questions. Melina, what, what, what's uh, Rob Torek? I'm going to say Torek is the pronunciation. Um, what's, what, what are Rob's questions? He wants to know, firstly, uh, what software and processes we use for script writing. Alex, you want to fill this? Yeah, we uh, we use a very high tech uh, device. It's specially invented for the roast. It's called Google Documents. Mm. Uh, Google's a small niche company um, that is. Uh, yeah, they make. We use Google Docs. <laughs> the uh, well, we used because when we first started, we we, we uh, I think Sean McGuire just had a notepad, <laughs> and we would just say jokes to him, and he would write some of them down. I uh, love that. And uh, that was a bad system. Uh, did you have auto cue then, or were you also just reading them off Sean's <laughs> notepad? It did then get. Yeah, I think it then got typed into something. Um, <laughs> but I'm not, cards. Yeah, I think that did not last very long. I was think that the two minute show? That was a two minute show. But yeah. I'm not even sure if we if any episodes went to here on that system. Maybe it was practice episodes or something, but either way, terrible, terrible system. <laughs> but um, Alex, you were saying that when you started working on the show that you thought that Google Docs could be quite problematic. Well, yeah, I, um, I'd never seen a script formatted like that before. Like, I kind of didn't, didn't really occur to me what would be required for a script being written simultaneously by 10 people and having edits made by people in production. Um, you know, I just thought it would look like a movie script or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I was just confronted with this script with like um, all these weird colour codings and things like that. But once you learn the, the colour language, it makes a lot of I sense. I think the formatting is really weird because it is all colour coded for different elements. Every kind of screen element has a colour, um, which is unusual. But the actual Google Docs process itself, I think, makes a lot of sense because we all have to write together and we all have to write so quickly you know it, you really need to all be able to see at any given time what's happening at any point in the script because otherwise people are going to write the same things it's not going to make sense so it's quite efficient i think mm. and um, just to explain being able the, to work off the same document yeah. and just to explain the color coding like if we put something in yellow it means it's sound and that's something that hugh our science, sound designer so he's looking out for bits in yellow so he knows that's what he needs to do bits in blue are props so laura uh, knows to um to do that, bits that are in purple, that's something to do for the graphics department, so uh, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then red usually means this is shit, get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right and then, so a lot of red, obviously mm. a lot of red. <laughs> of red. <laughs> but there was one script the other day where I think Nick said something like, you know, ultimately it comes out, usually it comes out to about six or seven pages. But yesterday was a day where it was just a disaster in the sense of, we, for whatever reason, we're really just having a bad day with the script. And by the end of it, you had the six-page script, but beneath it was something like ten more pages <laughs> of, of alternate lines and aborted ideas yeah. and just, just you know, hell. Hopefully um, they get thrown in some sort of internet fire where no one can ever recover them. Yeah, yeah, some things It'd get... It would be just sa- dreadful if anyone ever found the things that we threw yeah. away. <laughs> like with the, the headlines, we have we keep all of our off-cuts because we go, just in case... I think we're just too 
proud to <laughs> to completely kill a, kill something that, that anyone had worked on. So it exists in case it, we ever need it, but, we, right. we have, but we never do. You should release some exclusive jokes on the pod roast next <laughs> They're week. They're mainly right? just offensive, really. <laughs> uh, and just, or just think, yeah. Well, then you should release them at the rap party. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, we've also got a separate document where we keep jokes that we would like to use at another point if a particular story comes up. <laughs> uh, what I mean by that is like one time there was a story to do with the Red Cross and we had one good joke in the, in the story and then like three bad ones. So we didn't end up doing the story. But that one good joke, if a red story comes up about the Red Cross again, oh man. Oh, it's ready. I'm ready. It's I ready and wait. waiting. I cannot wait. Oh, Put my, me on, coach. Oh, my God. So that's uh, something that's out there. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, in terms of version control. Mm -hmm. So there's no... There are no sort of drafts, really. I mean, no. there are... Well, hang on. So there are three separate documents at the start of the day, aren't there? There's a headlines document. Well, hang on. Sorry. Two, I'll, really. Yes, two. I'll let... Uh, Alex, do you want to explain... The different documents? <laughs> sure. So we start with uh, yeah, two different documents. We've got the headlines one where the uh, headline dudes go and write their thing. Uh, they're very precious and they don't want us to look at them while they're doing it. And then the rest of us are working on the, uh, the main story or the two main stories of the day um, in another document. It's usually one story these one days. One or two depending on how many main stories there are. Yeah, and then it all just kind of, people just choose a, a segment to write and we all kind of work out of the one document and then you can go and look at what other people are doing and you get your first draft done and... And then at the read, th read, read through, ah. at 10.30 we merge all of those things together in our daily script document, which is basically the same document every day. We delete the old script out of it, put all the new stuff in, mm -hmm. assemble it for the read through and then we all work out of that document for the rest of the day. Mm. Well, that kind of leads on to the second question. Just mm. uh, do we archive old scripts in a way that's easy to search? We do archive them. Um, <laughs> how easy they are to search. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, often there'll be times where if we need to bring back a clip from a previous episode, which occasionally happens, you'll go, oh, okay, well, let's dig that up. But then you'll sometimes forget. Like, it's very, you know, first thing is that you never remember where an episode, what episode you used something in. Like, there's just... No one has any memory of any previous episodes that we've made. They're all just a big blur. Mm -hmm. So that document, if you think, oh, didn't uh, Jackie Lambie say something like that? And then you might stumble, put some search terms in the, in the Google Drive and, and hope that something um, pops up. Yeah, is yeah. it easy to search? I don't know. I've never really I tried. It's... I mean, it's funny <laughs> how we do just kind of lose our memory of things. Like yesterday we were talking about, we did the... Uh, the TPP, I can't remember the name of it, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we're talking about previous stuff we'd done on, on the free trade agreements with Japan and Korea. And, and Nick was going, didn't we do, didn't we do something on that, like, last year? Mm. And everyone's like, yeah, Nick, that was this year. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, oh, three, three months, three ago. months ago. <laughs> And just time, I don't know what happens to our brains and time, but I've mm. certainly lost my capacity to process it. I think today someone wanted to use something from the two-minute show from 2012, and those, I have no idea, I don't mm. think anyone knows where those scripts are. Tom has a good memory for those things. He can oh, yeah? usually dredge them up pretty quickly. Oh, right, okay. Well, um, I don't think we ended up finding what we wanted, though, for, for that. So, so much for that system. Mm -hmm. uh, what else we got? Uh, what's the next question? Uh, that's it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay, fine. Yeah. Thank you, to, thank you, Rob. I hope that right. answers your questions. Did we answer that? What about material that is cut for reasons? Oh, I apologize. What about material that is cut for reasons <laughs> other than quality? No, oh, I missed Dave. He wouldn't have missed that. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, uh, I do the questions so. on this podcast. All right. I just do them badly. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, what, what about that material? The stuff that gets t- cut for time. Uh, I mean, it exists. It's it's in a document somewhere. It, it, it goes into those folders of things that we'll revisit. Unless it's like a huge segment, in which case we'll usually try to bring it back. Um, if it's like a joke or a short segment, it'll go into some folder of like things we definitely might use one day yeah. and we're never going to use. When a whole segment gets cut, that's usually the consolation prize. Like, oh, don't worry, we'll keep this, we'll use it next time. And you know deep down in your heart it's never getting no. used I've been again. waiting for six months to use my killer Tanya Pulisak joke. Oh, yeah. I've like, got one Still more got week. But last week, I think it was, there was something that was filmed which had, it was to do with, uh, what was the story where we had aliens... And you, uh, Rinna Oh, Alex the, as well. um, the comet Astronomy spotting program. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that was something that was actually filmed. It was you as an astronomer. It was. So the story was about the cuts um, that were going to be affecting our astronomy program, and so, and also the uh, the lights from fracking that were affecting that program. And so we thought it would be funny. Uh, by we, I, I mean I, and I think I stood alone there. Um, <laughs> if it was uh, aliens who were coming in, they were trying to present themselves to us on Earth, but because um, of all the light interference, we we weren't able to see them and we missed a chance to meet those people and they were going to give us um, all the solutions that to all the problems that were plaguing mankind. They were like the be cure nice for Ebola, and the cure for ISIS. And they had Harold Holt. They had Harold yeah. Holt. They'd been and, going yeah. on intergalactic um, space That's adventures. That's probably why it was filmed, because any Harold Holt reference usually <laughs> goes... It's like, like video game references. Just get straight into the show. Um, but uh, that got filmed. We had Clark and Seton as aliens, I think. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Nick watched it back, and I think it was basically... His response was, yeah, nah. And uh, that was it. That was the end of that. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, though. We normally no. get to a point where we g- it gets cut before it's filmed. Yeah. Did part of that go to air? Nope. N- none of you in the observatory? No. Oh, wow, I have a false memory of watching that, that on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because we're just so short for time that, uh, that if something is going to get cut, it, you know, it's usually cut at the writing stage because it's just um, we don't have time to, mm. to, sh- to shoot things that won't make it but you do learn to not get too precious about things i find like yeah something gets cut you just gotta akuna matata it <laughs> well i think like compared to pretty much any other show you get so many opportunities to get material on tv in this show that it's like i never get particularly upset if something gets cut because i know in the scheme of things like i i we feel greedy to be overly upset about that because compared to most shows which have writers we get to yeah do stuff every day and watch it back that night. It's sort of a special thing. So, mm. you know, I sort of just learn to appreciate the bits which do get in That's rather right. than crying over spilt milk. Mm, yeah. Uh, so which brings us to our recap of the week's episode, starting with Thursday. On um, that episode, we had uh, a story about the renewable energy target um, and the government's plans for that. Uh, and uh, we decided we'd have a little bit, because it was talking to do with car. Oh, firstly, this was really confusing, uh, just to get uh, to get our heads around. The percentages, uh, basically, because, uh, I don't even know if I want to get into it now, but the whole business of the, the renewable energy target is 20%. The, uh, 20% of our uh, energy would uh, come from renewable sources, uh, and that because we are now not using as, as much energy as... Uh, Anticipated the amount the, the the amount the number of kilowatts of renewable energy that we're producing, that 
figure, which would have equated to 20% normally, now actually equates to 27% of our energy consumption. And so the government wants to cut that back to what they call a real 20%, because heaven forbid we're producing more renewable energy than we, than we planned. Uh, and that, but what's added to the confusion of it is that I think the Labour Party refer to it as a 40% cut. And the way that they work that out is that if you look at the actual number of kilowatts, the 27% figure uh, equates to something like 63,000 kilowatts. Mm. 20, the 20%, 20%, however, <laughs> equates to something like 41,000. So what? the percentage drop from 63,000 kilowatts to 41,000 kilowatts is at roughly a 40% cut, as distinct from a 7% cut from 27% <laughs> to 20%. So my, well, the reason I bring up all these confusing figures is that it made the script a nightmare. And because you're trying to get across something fairly complex in a really yeah. simple, punchy way. And especially in the headlines where we don't like to spend a lot of time explaining things. We like to kind of go, here's what you need to know, here's the joke, here's this, here's that. But to have to get bogged down in, in numbers and graphs yeah. and things like that is, is a nightmare for us. But it did feel like it was an important story. It's amazing how the um, politicians can just use two completely different sets yeah. of figures to justify mm. their thing like they're not even arguing in the same terms like mm. there should just be a ministry of numbers and if you <laughs> want to use a statistic you go get it from that guy you need yeah. a license to quote a number that's right and and i was and i felt like maybe maybe it's me maybe i maybe it's actually really simple and i'm an idiot but then i was watching insiders <laughs> on sunday and they had the panel and they started talking about it and they all said like andrew proben from the west australian and the other people that were on were saying you know this is actually really complex with all these numbers like oh, i know i'm not stupid, <laughs> I'm not stupid. It, was, it was such a relief so anyway long story short we, i think we managed to get it down to its simplest form but the problem was is that in the first draft when we tried to be what we thought was the simplest form where we thought we were doing a really good job of explaining it the silence told you, no, <laughs> we don't get it. So that was, that was a nightmare. We decided also that we'd have me getting cut. Um, we had this, because there's this thing about Ian McFarlane saying that uh, oh, now that the uh, renewable energy uh, sector knows that it's getting cut, it can be more confident. Um, and so just that idea of that you've been cut and therefore you're more confident. So we wanted to have me... Uh, you know, bleeding, uh, that creates all sorts of problems in terms of how graphic you can be, which is, of course, in a PG time slot, is not much at all. Hence why my cut is just like my shirt's a bit ripped and it's, bit, it's red around it. And you wanted a big wound, didn't we, you? I, I, I wasn't... I, it wasn't important to me that it be too terrible, but... Uh, yeah. I could have done with more blood. But you, yeah. you, got, you got the idea. But you have wanted... we discussed that on the show before, that how we have to have purposefully crappy blood it has to be obviously fake. obviously fake and often i think there's weird ways you can get around it like if you shoot it in black and white that can help yeah we found right. that loophole um but it's not always easy to use that uh yeah so that was that and then uh yeah so laura laura went and bought a, a brand new shirt uh for that and then and then ruined it <laughs> and that's your that's your money taxpayers to the value i think that shirt yeah. cost twenty dollars Oh, so, um, it's more so you know, tell, tell Sherry Markson. Uh, I'm sure she won't be happy to hear about that. Hey, that, we, that we used <laughs> month, that we used money for props on a TV show, <laughs> wasting them. Uh, anyway, hi Sherry. Um, what else we got? Greens using Goff's image. Oh, this is ridiculous. Uh, and then the right, so then we had this Queensland thing with uh, Palm United, and that they've uh, they've got the new the candidate for uh, I can't remember the name of the seat now, but. Um, 
and the candidate was selected over Clive Palmer's wife, uh, yeah, which seemed one. very ridiculous. But <laughs> Melina, you've got a theory which I absolutely buy into. What's your theory over why Clive Palmer's wife was did not get pre-selection? I do have a theory. I think Palmer has a few times since he got into politics been accused of nepotism and favoritism, basically putting people that he has associations with, personal associations with, into seats or into positions mm. in the party. Um, so I think his wife didn't actually want to get into politics and he put her name forward specifically to be rejected so that next time people say, well, you're just picking favorites, he'd be like, not true. I, I chose someone over my own wife. It's a party of marriage. <laughs> so I mm. think she is a pawn in his scheme. Could be. Yeah. So does she, we'll does she have a job outside of... Uh, well, I know she just had a baby this year, so I'm not saying that that's uh, her job, but uh, that is, and I, I imagine that would have taken up some of her time. I think she was... Someone said that she was a lawyer, but he says that she does... Um, that might be wrong. I, whoever that person was, they might have made it up. So don't listen to them. She manages the books, doesn't she? See, that's she? what Clive he says. says. That, doesn't mm. Clive yeah. often says, "Oh, I don't manage the accounts. My wife does that." So maybe she's doing that. Mm, you know. Maybe she. We'd love to say exist. more about our theories about <laughs> Clive, but uh, it's probably uh, something that would get us sued. Um, so we'll leave that. Our final story there was to do with the longest open water swim. That was just a one-joke thing that Dave Ferrier came up with about not just breaking the record for the longest open water swim, it was also the record for most number of times of peeing in the ocean. I think Dave's quite good at writing those one-line jokes for those shorter stories, and that was something that I, tickled me. We then, um, part of the reason, sorry, we're speaking quite quickly is because I'm desperate to go to the bookstore and buy a copy of Bert Newton's biography. They didn't have it yesterday at the bookstore, and they said they'd, they would today, so I'm trying to get out of here as quickly as Ooh, possible. All right. uh, then the main story uh, is uh, for that episode was to do with Scott Morrison, uh, Lena or Alex, can you run us through this story? There were um, a number of stories that were saying that Scott Morrison, having been so successful in his portfolio, is now trying to enlarge his portfolio to get extra responsibilities. So there was sort of this mute, like, uh, potential Department of Homeland Security style thing. And then the latest was that he was pushing to take over the response to the Ebola crisis and bring that into his portfolio responsibility. Currently, it's under Barnaby Joyce's responsibility mm -hmm. and probably to some extent Peter Dutton with health um, and there were a lot of like anonymous um, sources and people from the coalition party room saying that they were all getting very annoyed with him there were some funny quotes along those lines so we did an episode on that and uh, we had a, a Nick flip book with um, Scott walking around Parliament trying to do everyone else's jobs for them I think his suggestions were always along the lines of put it in detention. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that, uh, yeah, and that, that as, he, as he went around telling people how to do their jobs, that the, that the um, animated character's head got, uh, would expand each time. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, do like those flip books. They always have so much of Nick injected in the, into mm. them, even though he's just doing his voice. There's a real kind of, you, you know, you get that kind of Nick swagger to all of them. And so that's, yeah. that story worked really well. And I remember when, mm. we, were, when we were talking about in the writer's room, Nick was really, like, getting enthusiastic, acting it out. And he kind of wanted, I don't think we got it in the end, but he really wanted Scott Morrison to be walking into everyone's office and just slurping coffee really loudly and obnoxiously <laughs> telling everyone how to do their jobs. And one of Nick's trademarks somehow has become <laughs> him going, Ha! Uh, like he's yeah. Mrs. Krabappel or something, and so that seems to, that seems to pop up quite often. Now this thing with the shaft video seemed to do well. People really seem to like this. I liked it too. My one question is, how did it, how did you come up with it? Because it doesn't seem what, what was difficult about it was finding the right introduction for yeah. it. Because it seemed to resonate with people, but. My concern was I didn't quite get where the idea came from. So Look, it was one of those things that we were just having fun 
talking about and um, we were talking about how Scott Morrison is just like the big man on campus right now and is being really arrogant and um, we're, I think I, I brought up that, you know, he's kind of like what in his head he must be playing some really cool like, um, I don't know, like... Yeah. Music. Yeah, like, you know, there's always that time in a movie where something's going really well for a character and it's like... That's like the music in the head and then I was kind of musing on that idea and just amusing myself with that thought and then I turned to sit and I was like, oh, isn't there a... Isn't there a movie where that's like the theme and it's like do 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 and because poor Satan's next to me all the time and has to figure out what I'm trying to say, he's like, oh, you mean Shaft? And then that's how um, it came about. Right. So it was really more, uh, you know, rather than being a specific satirical relation, it was more just, I guess, a tonal thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was supposed um, to convey his attitude and his opinion of himself. Totally. So it wasn't yeah. like he is the character Shaft in the movie Shaft. It was like. The feeling you get of like the attitude from that promo or theme song from the, the is open. kind of how we imagine Scott Morrison's internal dialogue to be going exactly. at this time. Mm. Yeah, he's just brimming with confidence. Yeah, and but obviously, as you say that, I mean, if you think about those those words that you just said, that's quite hard to. Yeah, yes. to introduce <laughs> yeah. something as... It's the vibe yeah, of the that's thing. That's it. Yeah, now that's right. <laughs> based on what we think it might be like as Scott Morrison's but head. But not really if he inside had a his tune, head. Really, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, but I, as I said, I, you know, I thought that people seemed to be tickled by it. And we had new lyrics and Clark Richards was our... Um, stand in Isaac Hayes on account of the fact that Isaac was not av- uh, available uh, because he's uh, dead. Yeah, well, Clark did a much better job. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> on to Monday's episode. Oh, there was Friday's episode as well. Dave's not here to tell us what happened on Friday's episode. I've got no idea what happened on Friday's episode. Did you see it? I didn't see uh, it. No, but I bet it was good. Yeah? Oh, fuck. I bet it was killer. Oh, I just swore. <laughs> uh, Monday, headlines. What do we do? Ricky Muir's chief of staff. Ricky Muir's story. Um... It's that it was difficult. Yeah, you've got to introduce. We wanted to make sure we told the story. It's very easy, not easy, but it's just, it's, it, the temptation is so strong with Ricky Muir to just shit on him the whole time, and it feels. <laughs> and sometimes it feels fun, and sometimes it feels mean, uh, and um, and I think this one was quite mean. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, what do you think? Is it too mean? Do we should we should we should we leave him alone? Ah, uh, look. As long as he, he's he making like loads more money than us, I don't think True. we have to yeah. feel too mean. And I do yeah. feel for his poor staff. Like, yes. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that, yes. situ- in that place. It must just be mental. Uh, also, there, yeah, story about the Queen tweeting, uh, which, uh, well, I just loved the video of, of, of that. And uh, when we realised that there was actually an orchestra on hand to, uh, <laughs> to burst into tune when she did it, I mean... That's she's just living a dream. I just imagine that that's not like that just happens every day in her life. Oh, yeah. Like she makes like a slice of toast. Yeah. <laughs> toast pops. Yeah. And dun 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 dun. Yeah. Like, They're just, just traveling with her constantly. Uh, I have a question mm. about that tweet, which I, I thought about uh, when we did it, and I never got it answered. Didn't she sign it Elizabeth R? She did. Yeah. What What's her last name? Regina Queen. It's Latin for Queen. She's known as Elizabeth Regina. Really. So that that's why the the E R. If you ever see that on the Right. Yeah, that's the, that's her initials. Um, Rex is uh, Latin for king. So is that instead of Windsor? Uh, yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, look, you. I'm sure someone actually out there knows more about this than. Call than, her than Elizabeth Queen. Tweet, Queen. Me. Tweet me with your Queen English. facts. Please. Uh, and then there was a story about a Google executive 
doing something. So you know what that means? It means that the punchline is always going to be about Bing. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, we've really got, to get, got it against Bing. And uh, so we wanted to show, all right, so if a Google executive has jumped from the, from the top of the stratosphere, what's a Bing executive done? And we were trying to find like dumb vi videos of like so, uh, people falling out of trees or <laughs> things. It had to be something where someone like made a fall themselves while jumping, but obviously didn't do it in such a way that caused them serious damage. <laughs> we thought almost used the video of the bear. If you know the video of the, the bear that was in a tree and then I think it fell out or was shot out and yeah. it landed on a trampoline and then it bounced and, and kind of landed very painfully we almost used that but then it's sort of like well are we saying that the executives are being a bears and, and so that was it but then evan found the uh footage of a of a, of a of a large man doing a belly flop and that felt like that's what being is um and uh, so that's that was that was the yeah i just love i love um like whenever you guys are working, you, and, you know, you figured your stories out and you're just working and you're sitting over there on the other side of the room, you all get your headphones in and you look so diligent. And I just love the idea that when we think you're working really hard, you're just looking up videos of bears jumping onto trampolines. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, completely. It's uh, a silly job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Then the So we had two stories in that episode, uh, two big ones, I should say. And oh, yeah. So uh, the first one was to do with Bill Shorten's speech to the Australian Christian Lobby. Now, did you, what happened with this? Did, um, did you both work on one of these or did you work on separate stories? Uh, we both worked on the Bill Shorten story, yeah. I think. So the, this was about him uh, over the weekend and he had really stood up to the Australian Christian Lobby on the issue of same-sex marriage. And, and our thought was, first of all, well, it's amazing that he's speaking at all. So that's something <laughs> that we should probably... Um, make a record of, and also the fact that it wasn't particularly uh, courageous, and I don't think we have ended up getting the statistic in, but the fact that um, it's, you know, the fact that he appeared at a Christian lobby meeting was actually more impressive than him uh, supporting gay marriage, considering there are more Australians who support gay marriage than there are Australians who are Christian. Uh, but that was a bit, it was a bit too, uh, I don't know. And also that, like, kind of get across. in the same study, a majority of Christians support gay marriage, so the Australian Christian lobby is actually not representative of Australian Christians in their opposition to same-sex marriage. So, you know, to, like, yes, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff on social media over the weekend of people saying, like, oh, it's amazing, he stood up to them. It's like, like, it's it's good. Like, I'm glad he said <laughs> yeah, it. If he's, yeah. if he's going to speak to them, I'm glad that he, you know, had the courage to put a different perspective. But at the same time, like, you shouldn't get a medal for it because he's saying something that is like pretty. Most uh, the overwhelming majority with. of Australians agree. So he's not like really risking yeah. any great electoral damage by. He's not sticking his neck out. And so the idea of uh, having the Bill Shorten dancers, how did that come about? <laughs> We had another idea earlier in the day, which was bringing out some dancers. We all we do love the idea of um, fanfare that ends up being pretty shit house. <laughs> I think you know we've always got the balloons dropping on Tom, and then for really minor things. Um, so I think it was just a big extension of that. So the idea was that he'd had these. We had hired these dancers. Um, who were meant to come out much like the bust the budget dancers on Sunrise or something who who are coming out and, um, you know, making a big deal of the fact that Bill Shorten said something. But because we were waiting so long for him to say something, they had all gotten really old. And this was something, and there was a lot of discussions about who these dancers were. There was. In, in the sense of other... Why they're so old, because he's only been opposition leader for a year. Precisely. Because I think originally... Because <laughs> at first there was other stuff. It was like the Labour did something yeah, dances. Yeah. And mm. for some reason there were 
balloons that f for Whitlam's <laughs> with Whitlam's face on. And it. then it was we discussed like, well, are we then implying that Labour has done nothing since 1975? Which seems a little unfair to yeah. the Hawke Keating governments, which are generally regarded as yeah. having achieved a lot. Even, and then Brandon Gillard, Gillard. Yeah, they did so, some stuff. Yeah, it, so it, it is funny. It's such a symptom of of you know how what we we're talking about earlier. The way that we write is that we're building on each other's jokes <laughs> and building on ideas. And sometimes we've built the joke or the idea so far that we've kind of forgotten the original point and um, so it's always good when um, the, the headline guys rejoin the table and, and then you know Mark will sit down and go wait what is this <laughs> and we have to go oh it makes no sense it makes yeah. zero sense it's Reel all it back in. Right. you'll often hear me say right um, sorry uh, what was the original idea behind this and that's um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I say that you know I think just as a kind of just, to, just for clarity and yeah we absolutely well, it's important because yeah. like if you're feeling that then how many people watching at home are going to yeah. feel that I'm guessing a lot and then building on that was the now is this the, so actually well, this, well first things first so you two in addition to Cara were the Bill Shorten did something dance yes it was so yes. much fun we've been waiting for a chance to have all three of us on mm. screen together yes. so uh, we dressed up as old lady like can can dancers <laughs> and um, shuffled on and got got our makeup and our wigs and everything and it was very funny and Melina killed it. Mm. She was so oh, good. Yeah. Uh, no, just kind of off in her own little old lady world, <laughs> doing a little soft shoe shuffle. It was it was amazing. Mm. Yeah, no that was that was that was tremendous. And then what was the then the then we had one with the with three chaps. So what was the what was build what was that? Uh, were they the turn back the the boat dancers? Oh yeah the, this I did this might have been one of the ones that got slightly away from us, I think like the idea was and um uh, and it was my idea, so I have to, I guess, take responsibility for it. Was that um, we come back to the? Oh, what, I don't know what it was. So we it come was, back to the old to the dancers, but so much time has passed for us to wait for Labor to get into government that they've all died. Because Labor said that well, they, they've, they've since wound it back, but on the day there was another news story that was saying that Labor was talking about potentially keeping the Abbott government's turn back the boats policy. Yeah when they get back into government and we were like, well, great, like dancers for that too. But of course, it'll be so long till they get back into government that those mm. old ladies would be dead. So let's have young men holding urns with the remains of those now, do you old think ladies. That was, now, do you, think that, do you think that was clear? No, because I don't think the urns <laughs> looked enough like, well, they were little and so, and Sean's dancing was fantastic. Yeah. And so attention drawing for me watching it that I was not looking at the end. Yes, I was watching yeah. Sean with his game. <laughs> a few dancing. things work against us. And, uh... Yeah, I think it was a nice idea. I think we missed something there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice that the urns had the feathers from the. Uh, they were supposed to have the wigs at one point. Oh, I'm assuming they didn't fit. Yeah, I think I think that hopefully the audience just blamed themselves for not getting that one, <laughs> rather than sure. realizing it yeah. was us. <laughs> well, I, I like the thinking of that we would keep the wigs. That somehow these women died. Their ash, their, their bodies were then burnt, but not their hair. We were salvaged. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they died of scalping. Awful. That's um, true. Yes. And uh, we actually had a cameo from uh, this week's intern, whose mm. name is Ben. Uh, so if you hadn't seen Ben before, uh, that's why. And uh, you won't see him again. Yeah. Oh, you will. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He'll be in something, I'm sure, again. Mm. Uh, so then into the second story, which was to do with the was it the makers of the Dallas Buyers Club yes. um, suing downloaders. I th there was a lot more to this story. I think there was a Nick slide in. There were other elements mm -hmm, to this. Yeah. But ultimately, the thing that we really liked the most was this idea of, of having Clark torturing 
someone from uh, one of the internet providers trying to get the names of people who download it. And just, just a beautiful, simple idea of him, yeah, torturing the dodo mascot. I love that we got the actual mascot in mm. there too. I thought that looked great. Yeah, yeah. And Clark, you know, brings, you know, <laughs> what you need to that. And uh, graphics-wise, I think they did really well yeah. with, with mm. making that. That was happen. definitely one of those ones where you do it in the read-through and you imagine it in your head and yes. then you see it on screen and you're like, yes, that is exactly what I wanted to see. And mm. no, no one's vision was kind of compromised there because, you know, like, Clark's work was so good and um yeah same with the, the with the graphics and everything and the, and just the it looks like a movie which i really enjoyed too mm, just yeah totally. on the uh, onto the tuesday's episode in the headlines we had a story to do with the uh, the government's plan to protect the great barrier reef if you can call it that um not much of a plan uh and uh in that we were quoting a man named professor terry hughes something which i, I thought was quite nice today I saw that people were sharing that on uh, online, and uh, one uh, young man in, in particular, whose name was Hughes, uh, shared it and, uh, and said, "Dad's famous." It must have been Terry's Aww, son that's sharing fantastic. that around. So that was exciting for the Hughes household. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that was that. And we also had a story to do with Hansard, uh, which we didn't. We kind of cut it down a little bit from. Um, what it was, it was to, so to do with Barnaby Joyce's staff apparently making some slight changes to the official transcript of parliament, parliamentary proceedings. Apparently what happens is that, um, so there's a transcript that's made, they're then sent off to the staff of the various MPs, and that's a chance for the staff to make any corrections, but the corrections usually are just factual things, in the sense of uh, correcting the spelling of someone's name, or uh, um, it's mainly stuff like that really. And then, but apparently, what happened here is that they actually changed these specific words that um, Barnaby Joyce had actually used because he had said something inaccurate, and so then his staff went and corrected it to make it accurate. And it's a weird thing where actually to make something accurate, to make it factually accurate, was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And we almost went down that path and did write a version where we sort of chastised, went went off about this the pettiness of. Uh, heaven forbid that yes, facts would be would be in in Hansard, but then it was like well okay, but the the system is this. This is the way it works. You're not supposed to do that. That's you know it has to be an accurate record of what was actually said. So we sort of let that go. So there was a bit where we sort of went off at Tony Burke a bit more for bit for being seemingly petty, but um, ultimately we just um, we, we let him off the hook. <laughs> and we also didn't go that hard on. Either, really. Surely there should be like a, a provision where even if you don't want to change the official wording, you can like, you should be able to let people have like an asterisk at the bottom of a of a record to say this is the actual fact. Like, mm. yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, people are going to look back at that and not understand, you know, that that was a, yeah. a mistake or mm. you know. Yeah, yeah fact checking. A fact check of ha of uh, Hansard. I'd love to see just mm. every time. Yeah. There was yeah. a lying Q&A. Now I got no not to trust it. Mm. So because we ended up not going that hard on uh, Tony Burke, we didn't end up going that hard on Barnaby Joyce or his staff either because it felt like a genuinely... like It felt like they were operating out of a... You know, uh, they had the right intentions. It's not like they... Yeah, I th yeah, because and the, and the change seemed relatively small, so that's that's what happened there. Mm -hmm. um, then to the main story, which was to do with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. <sighs> now, this is a story which has been in sort of back of our minds for actually a long time, and we've not really talked about it. There have been days where we, someone would say the words Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we'd sort of go, 
Yeah, we should do something about that at some point. And then somehow it came to a head this week, um, and uh, and then we yeah dove in yesterday. And girls, uh, I think it'd be fair to say that it was a a, a cluster. Yeah. yeah, we were so excited about it. Like we had. Uh we thought it would be so great to get our teeth stuck into something juicy and really explain it to people. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really big story and there's so many elements to it, but I think it's just so big and so dense and one of those things, but by the time you're done explaining it, there's no room for jokes. And so, like, just trying to, yeah, get it done was a re really tough one for us yesterday. It was also, for me, difficult not in the ways I was expecting. Knowing we were going to do it the day before, I thought the problem was going to be that it was going to be so complicated and that there would be so many details and I actually found it in the end relatively easy to understand but just really hard to kind of like sink my teeth into it. Just kind of I felt like none of us seemed to really find an in and I, I thought about it later because most of the commentary that I've heard around the Trans-Pacific Partnership is around the fact that there hasn't been a lot of commentary on it, considering mm. how significant it is. And in hindsight, I sort of feel like that should have been a clue. <laughs> yeah, now like, I know why. The, the fact that like newspapers, they write about it a bit here and there, but the fact that they haven't really taken it up as a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and I feel like they were on to something that we didn't realise. Yeah, and like it looked from the outside, I was like, oh, it's so good, like it's being kept secret, it's being, you know, um, negotiated with all these corporations, it's a worldwide thing, like it, it, it felt like it would be good, but then once you got into it, it was just... Um, yeah, just a tricky one. And I think the problem is like so much of what we do, we rely on drawing comparisons and metaphor, but there's really nothing like it. Like mm. <laughs> the Trans-Pacific Partnership is like the Trans-Pacific Partnership and, and that's about it. Mm. It's also very speculative at the moment. Like it's sort of, it's, it's hard to kind of like really nail something and say, mm. well, this is bad. Like, cause you're kind of in a position where you have to say, well, this will be bad if it does happen, which it may or may not, because it's all still being negotiated and, you know, that it's it's not a deal that's been signed off. And I, I mean, we kind of do criticise proposals. A lot of the government's budget proposals are, you know, not yet in effect and we've criticised them. But I think it's the fact that those are still a signal of intention. Mm -hmm. Like if the government says we want to bring in a $7 GP co-payment, it doesn't matter, they haven't done it yet. We know that that's what they want to do. Whereas because this is a secret trade negotiation with 12 countries, without reading through the whole thing and really understanding it all, it's hard to know, well, what is Australia's position? What, do, what does the government agree with or not agree with? What are they going to compromise on or not compromise on? What are we going to yeah. end up with? Like The fact that it is all kind of unknown mean it's hard to kind of really like really nail run something. with something yeah. because you're basing it off a, off a guess. Um, yeah, and that I think made it quite difficult to penetrate. So what was there's something that didn't make it, which was a big part of the of the first draft, and it was very ambitious. It was to this whole sort of an idea to do a, a sort of a fairy tale. Can you guys explain what the idea was there? What is that? Because obviously everyone out there has no idea what we're referring to here. Mm -hmm. So what was the the thinking? What was the idea there? We thought we needed to start it off with an explainer. Um, and we really thought we could make something that people could go, oh, now I get it, and I'm going to share this, and um, and we thought that could be a great thing to do. Uh, and we wanted to make it visually interesting, so that's where the idea of an animation and eventually specifically yeah. a fairy tale animation came. Yeah, explaining it to Tom as if he was a child, or him explaining it as if it were um, 
something that children can understand. Um, and so we thought, well, you know, we haven't done a fairy tale before. And I, I think I said, oh, what about if it was like, I don't know, like a dragon or something. And then we kind of ran with that. So <laughs> envisaging the, the TPP as a dragon. Um, and then it probably wasn't the best metaphor to start with, but it all kind of base, it was based on that. You know, it was one of those things sure. where you're like, oh, this is just an example. I know what's a thing in a book, a uh, dragon. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then it all kind of got built around that. And then by the, t you know, sometimes you end up tripping yourself up when you try and simplify something that's actually very complicated and you end up having to explain more than if you just said, this is what it is, without any kind of artifice involved. Mm -hmm. So it was a lovely thing. It was um, Clark coming in as Tom's grandfather and like opening this beautiful book and then this book coming to life. And so it's a uh, very kind of Princess Bride inspired, is that I right? I think so, yeah. I think the main issue was like when, I think in its very first iteration it was written as as you know very much in the fairy tale vein and then I think shortly before the read through Nick went to Carr and Seton who were writing it and said it needs to be clearer like it needs to explain more so then by the time of the read through it, a lot of it was just like sentences of actual facts rather than metaphor mm -hmm. so then it was like weirdly too real and not fairy tale enough and then after the read through I think the thinking was just because with these sort of animated sequences they're very complex, they take quite a bit of time, they need to be like ready to go as early as possible to give the production team enough time to make it. Um, the feeling was just, we still wanted to be doing it, but there wasn't going to be time to fix it and also time to make it. Like I think, you know, if we were going to, if we put off the story to the next day, then I think we would have rewritten it and made it work, but mm. it was just, there was just no time. Mm. We had to leave it. And we, yeah, we had, and Clark, when he, he was going to play the grandfather, and he started by doing a, a Peter Falk impression from <laughs> Princess Bride. Oh, is that what it was? That's what it was. I just thought <laughs> he was doing an American accent. And, uh, and then, but I think at a certain point, he dropped the accent. <laughs> I think when he dropped the accent, it was also at that point that, that, that we kind of collectively knew we need to either lose this it's, or... It's more or, than a great accent. Yeah. <laughs> An accent alone will not save this. No. Uh, and then, now this is something else that was... I mean, the weird thing is, all's well that ends well. People seemed to... By people, I mean, on obviously... Celebrities. On, online. Yes. Well, uh, yes. Adam Garcia. Adam Garcia liked it. We liked the... Yes. He, I Hi, wonder whether... I don't, yes, I, I don't know whether that was his first time seeing the show, whether... His love for he said, "I love you." The rose. Yeah, I, not Long I love the rose. Your first time he tweeter. loves us. And, uh, yeah, but uh, can I just say, thirteen-year-old uh, Alex loves you too, Adam Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited by Adam Garcia because we've been watching Mark Holden embarrass himself on uh, <laughs> over and Dancing over again. With Stars. So Adam Garcia has been in our office, uh, but he doesn't know it. No. Um, but anyway, enough about the great Adam Garcia. Are you sure? Well, for now. Okay. Maybe, maybe we'll do a separate Adam Garcia appreciation <laughs> podcast. Um, the, uh, so, what was I saying about this? Sorry. Oh, yeah, so people seem to respond to it and, and, and seem to be quite, con uh, yeah, there's a very nice feedback about uh, how we dealt with that story, but I think within the room we certainly <laughs> felt like we'd lost something. Um, but, anyway, as I say, all's well that ends well. Uh, we had... Now, this is another thing that's very difficult, and we come up against this time and time again. And I'm just going to say it. I don't think we should do two-way things, by which I mean I don't think we should have, um, uh, like, debates or, on the show. Like, I think it should be Tom throws to Alex or Tom throws to Jazz. Um, I don't believe that we've ever managed to really make, like, an Alex and a Jazz or a Jazz and a Nick or whatever it is. I think that we constantly come up against those and never work out the funny way of doing them. So I'm saying I'm against them. Oh, but okay. I really um, enjoy them. 
<laughs> do you enjoy writing them though? Because they're hell to write. Um, yeah, I, they I, what I would say, I think they think... can end up funny in performance. I think that the the, the amount of wasted energy that can go into it, yeah. I think, means that we we, sh we should find different solutions. So that sounds I think very I've cool. actually figured out what is wrong with it. I think the one that did work was when it was um, when we were covering the Indonesian election and it was actually, we weren't, it was framed as an argument, but actually we were both giving information. It was like, this is Joko Widodo um, versus the other contender. It wasn't Cecilia Bain, but no, it was no. the, new, the, new, the other guy who didn't win. Yeah. And um, it was framed as a debate. That was framed as a debate, but it actually wasn't a debate. It was um, us just giving you information that you didn't know. So actually both sides are quite valuable. And then we had a little twist on the end where it was like we actually both agreed with each other and we didn't agree with Tom. And then I think we kind of had tried to recreate that, which worked really well, I thought, anyway. Um, a couple of times. It didn't quite work. I thought this one might work. We were cut doing the uh, internet... What's it? Investor state dispute settlements, which is mm. boring to say and more boring to read about, um, and even harder to make funny. But um, we, uh, yeah, we did try and kind of. We really believed on one side of it that they were really bad and bad things to have in in a free trade agreement, but kind of had to confect an argument on the other side, um, pro, so the thing, mm. so the cross would work. And sometimes when you, you know, I think our show works because it comes from a, a place of uh, genuine you know, belief and everything we say we really believe in and um, when you don't really mean it, it's like, oh, why are we putting this in the show? Mm. So uh, it, it maybe wasn't the best vehicle for that issue. Well, you raise a good point. The Indonesia thing, I think actually, I think you're absolutely right. I think that totally worked and that was, I was, I was a big fan of that. So I think maybe that can work. I think as a d debate, as a concept, is yeah. not an inherently funny concept which doesn't sort of necessarily lend itself well, thus far, it hasn't necessarily lent itself to, to, to you know, I don't know, just, just to joke writing, to, to funnying something up. Yeah, but, watch Inside, it's for um, debate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I think, yeah, so maybe there's a way of doing it, but we've, we have consistently struggled to write it. But, yes, when you are giving, both giving information, um, yeah, that actually really did work in the Indonesia thing. So, um, you know, ignore what I said, but, uh, yeah. No, no, it's a good point. Um, yeah, so that was that. Did we have anything else in that episode? That was that was all of that. Then today's episode, uh, well, I would say just about the headlines. We had just a one-line thing at the end about Marvel, and um, I think the line is something along the lines of Marvel's announced its plans for 11 new films, uh, which of course means that Marvel has announced its plans for 11 new Stan Lee cameos. Again, that's a David Ferrier one-line. Lovely little, just a little, little button there at the end. I thought he did very well with that joke, so mm. that was... That was that. Um, I can't think of anything else interesting about today's headlines, so I might just move on. <laughs> yeah. I think of anything. Uh, then the main story today there was to do with the increase in fuel excise, which uh, that story broke in the middle of the day yesterday, and I was mildly panicked that we would be too late to cover it today. But I think it still seems to be very relevant, so it's all, all fine. Uh, now, we saw the return of a segment that we haven't had done since... When was the last time we did the Devil's Advocate? We did it one time, and I think the something to do with uh, Clive Palmer had been being inconsistent. I think Nick was playing Devil's Advocate by saying that Palmer is actually very clever as a politician, and he was sort of I can't remember the details, but basically right. arguing in favour of Clive Palmer's political strategy um, from a few months back based off a story I don't remember um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those sort of segment concepts that has come up from time to time in brainstorming and just never 
been agreed, you know, on a story by story, just not gone back to it. Um, on any given day, there's been something else that we've chosen to do instead, but today we, we did go back mm. to it, which I think uh, will be good, hopefully. Mm. I, I really liked the first time it happened, just the kind of visual trick of Tom going into Nick's space and it being a reversal of Tom's space and red. Mm. Uh, it's like, I think, were they like, they mirror the image? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, so mm. it's like the studio has got this whole extra bit on the side which no one ever knew existed because they didn't look left. Because what? like a little behind the scenes exclusive, Tom's desk is just a desk. There's about a meter of space to the side, and there's nothing else there. But in Fantasyland, mm. there's a whole other set there, and it's red. And uh, Nick lives there all the time. Yeah, this is something weird because because it's um because it's like hell. Excuse me, it's like hell. Um, we like. The temptation is to go quite dark with some of the humour, and there were lines <laughs> that we wrote, which we mm. would have loved to put in, about, for instance, who else is in hell? Like, uh, oh, why does it smell like that? Oh, that's just the rotting corpse of, insert name here. <laughs> but then, of course, you go, ah, that seems kind of mean. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, you don't end up doing it. Yeah. I won't say what the names were, but, no. uh, you know, choose your own adventure, you know, fill in the blanks, insert your own names. Uh, and have a lot of fun at home. Um, but uh, yeah, that's sort of, it's quite easy to go down that, that, that dark path and then we have to rein ourselves back in and remember we're, we're a PG show and uh, we're not out to make Because people are watching it from yeah. Earth. They're yeah. not watching from hell. No. So and, but the I don't headspace make, probably uh, yeah. different. And I don't want to make enemies of the dead. Mm. Um, They'll haunt you. That's, uh, uh, that's a fact. And then we had, what else? Alex on the greens. Hypocrisy. Oh yes, this, this thing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so we don't really do that much on the too much on the greens, really. We don't really tend to take them to task for too many things just because, I don't know, nothing's ever... They haven't done much lately. They haven't done much. Um, but we did think it was, you know, one of those things where they really got caught up in, in politicking rather than their policy and, and were blocking something uh, that they otherwise would have supported, which is essentially a tax on pollution. So that's what um, I wanted to talk about. And um, hadn't done like a standing in front of a screen explainy thing in a while, so I thought we should give that a go. Mm. And um, tried a new little um, form of animation, like really simple, but using the kind of politicians' heads and showing them kind of swapping places and, and some showing the Greens acting like the coalition and the coalition acting like Labor. And um, I... I I had to storyboard it myself, and normally Kara is this oh, yes. our, our graphics whiz, and she's so good at seeing things visually. But uh, it was a bit of a struggle for me hmm. um, well, to Cara, do it. Yes. But I think it'll look great. I think um, I think uh, Louise is doing a great job on it, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, Kara was not in today because she's 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 not well, and there's a sort of running joke that um, Kara sits underneath <laughs> an air conditioner, which occasionally <laughs> drips, and for some reason. There's a running joke that uh, each time it drips, that's uh, that's Legionnaire's disease uh, that's uh, dripping out of it. Maybe we shouldn't joke about it since we and, haven't actually ruled it out. And uh, yeah, and now she's got sick, and so the joke is maybe not funny. No. Um, Get and we well, don't, Cara. Yeah, that's Still it. funnier than joking about her having a bowler, though. Yep. True. Alex knows that jokes about a bowler on. Oh, I'm so sick of those jokes. <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, know people oh, were making them. You know, just like, oh, I've got a cold. Oh, oh, oh I hope it's not a bowler. Oh, don't, don't get a bowler. <laughs> it's not, I just said it's cold. Who, who said that? Who are these jokes? Are you spending time with other people? I'm so sorry, but I did. Oh, my And I, I promise I won't ever Well, I don't want to hear about them again. I'm so they sorry. sound very annoying. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that, that pans out. Because mm. I do, I really like when, if we can get... If you can get that combination of good information and good graphics to make a smart 
visual piece, then uh, then that's gold. Yeah. Uh, we'll so see. look we'll forward see. to that. Uh, then there's this Thelma and Louise parody, which I'm hoping comes together really well. It looks like it should be fun with Clark and Jazz. We hit a major snag. Oh my god! It was actually I actually found it really tense. I don't know about you guys. I had to move. I went and sat on the couch. I was like, you, I, I, I'm just gonna walk away from this. There just seemed to have been some sort of misunderstanding about. I don't know whether it was the meaning of the of the cutaway or what you're supposed to take away from it. But it's just this idea about how it would cost. What was it? What is it? That it would cost the average household. average household would pay forty cents extra a week for fuel because that of the extra tax. Right, and so so this thing where they run out of where Thelma and Louise or Jazz and Clark in this case, Theon and Lewis, I think it's someone, <laughs> someone had said um, that they you know it's it's that final scene where they're about to go off the cliff and then they 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 don't have enough petrol in the tank. And I think a lot of us took that cutaway to mean <laughs> that they uh, had not had enough money to buy. Is that what we yeah. is that what we thought? I think a lot of people, including God. myself, assumed that the idea. And for me, it was because I was thinking of the film and how the film ends. Spoilers, yes. warning, if anyone cares. Um, <laughs> that you You've know, the, 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 they're in the desert. Yeah. They're in the middle of nowhere, and they drive their car off a cliff. So I'm imagining they've been driving, and they get to the edge of the cliff, and they've bought forty cents less fuel yes. than they otherwise would have because they're having to pay this extra tax. Yes. So they've bought a little bit less yes. so that they have to pay the same amount. And so therefore they can't get over the cliff because yeah. they have 40 cents less fuel they get to than the they edge. ordinarily would yeah. have. Yeah. Apparently that's not it. No, so <laughs> no, a lot of us thought that, but we misunderstood it. And as Jazz rightly pointed out, well, it's in the script and if you look at it closely, you'll... Not closely, if you look at it, then it should be apparent. But if for whatever reason, it was not apparent to us uh, that the joke, was, the idea was actually that they had bought 40 cents worth of fuel. And the idea was that, you know, 40 cents of fuel doesn't get you very far. So if you were just trying to drive off a cliff, you wouldn't be, if you were at the edge of a cliff and you were about to drive off, 40 cents wouldn't get you to the edge <laughs> of a cliff. You were at the edge of a cliff and there was a petrol bowser there. <laughs> so it's also, so it's one of those things where you, as soon as you start tearing away the, the logic of it, it becomes problematic. Ultimately, so then it got just very tense of, of people who, um, who people, people who got one meaning of it versus who got another meaning. Uh, and then when Nick, when Nick, when Nick was out of the room, which makes it even worse, because ultimately we all just deferred to Nick. And so we were sort of praying for Nick to come back. And when Nick came back, he was like, no, 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 Jazz is right. It's that they've bought 40 cents of fuel and, and that, that's, it doesn't get you very far. That's what it is. And so then, you know, the lead-in was, was written accordingly. But, um, <laughs> for, yeah, so there was funny, a lot of it? confusion there. Uh, so hopefully it, it works out because it, uh, it is a funny idea. I think visually it should be funny. I think Clark and Jazz are always a great combination. So I'm sure it'll be fine, but I know that there was a period where, and because it had already been shot, it's not like we couldn't change the cutaway. It's like the cutaway, it is what it is. So the lead into it has to be, that's all you can really maneuver with. But I think it was something where um, maybe people like myself who didn't understand it uh, needed to speak up earlier about not understanding it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, fingers crossed. Let us know what you think, if you want. I don't care. 
Um, uh, no, I do care. Yeah, really, yeah, really, really, it looked really, gorgeous. Yeah. Like they managed to kind of get this kind of magic hour sunlight using like a couple mm. of lights in the studio, and it really looked like yeah. um, the movie. So I think and it'll be great. And a two shot. I love it when we can do more than one shot in a cutaway. Oh, it looks like magic. real television. Yeah. We're making television <laughs> magic. Uh, let's go to our least favorite people of the week. Melina Wicks, who's the least favorite person this week? <laughs> Um, we're up between a few options, but oh, uh, usually I struggle, but yeah, it's been a tough week. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say whoever it was, and I think it was either Sean or Evan, and I apologize if it was not either of them, who suggested we cover the Trans-Pacific Partnership this week. That was no, Mark Humphreys. That was, that was you. That was my least favorite person of the week, Mark Humphreys. Because that was a nightmare, and you didn't even have to write half <laughs> yeah. of them, so. well, In my defense. I, told, I, I suggested it on Monday, and then it was like, oh, yeah, we'll read up on it about it on Monday afternoon. We'll be ready on Tuesday. We did do a lot of reading on it. Sure. I had to write tweets. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, no, no, I, no I, I accept that. No, it was very difficult. But, but as I say, I think, you know, all's well that ends well. People seem to have... That's right. I've learned well, something. Well, Adam Garcia loves it, as uh, the saying goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, no, that's fair enough. Alex, um... Yeah. Normally this is a bit of a cop-out when people do it, but actually I genuinely, my person is me. Um, <laughs> a lot of the ideas that didn't work this week or were really tough uh, were my <laughs> stupid ideas. <laughs> and, um, and I'm very sorry. Gotta try it. Gotta try it out. And my least favourite person of the week. I'm just going to say a few different, like, just a, it's a few bookstores around Sydney. <laughs> uh, you know, the release date for Bert Newton's biography was yesterday. And I expect that if I go into a bookstore on the release date at 4pm, right, towards the end of the day, I expect to be able to purchase <laughs> that book. I shouldn't have to go to three bookstores and not one of them have actually unpacked Bert's biography. Oh, Molly's biography is there if you want. I don't want to read about Molly's <laughs> life. I want to read about Bert's life. And then, you know, it's almost the point of, do I need to come out into your warehouse? Because I've worked in a warehouse. Do I need to come out to a warehouse and unpack those boxes for you? Because I want this book. But uh, I don't... Because typically they, do, they did have the books, right? They, they, they technically had, had the and books. And they had just neglected to um, unpack them. But as I said, I have worked in a warehouse and sometimes, you know, you get a lot of boxes and, and it's not always possible to get everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm mock critical of these bookstores. I just really wanted the book. Yeah, but, so, you know, if these bookstores want to stay in business, you know, they've got to be given the premium yeah. customer yeah, service. Otherwise, had, we'll know, just go get them on our Kindles. I had, exactly. I had a tweet from someone today saying, uh, here's where you can get a Kindle copy. And I, I, I want to be able to look at the glossy photos. You want to hold spine. bird in your hands. That's exactly it, Alex Lee. Uh, <laughs> 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 on, that, on that note, it's time for us, time for me to go to the bookstore. Uh, I've been my breakout advertising rules. <laughs> oh, hey. no. oh, oh, stuff. I shouldn't have said it. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not convinced that that many people listening to the podcast are racing out to buy Bert's book. Well, but they should. Prove me wrong. Just the ones recording it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Pod Roast. I've been Mark Humphreys. I've been Melina Wicks. And I've been Alex Lee. Goodbye. See ya.